May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I want to thank all of you for a wonderful participation in our online annual parish meeting. We are all sick and tired of Zoom, I know, and um, we didn't have quite as much participation as we normally have in person, and I completely get that, but we had wonderful participation nonetheless. If you weren't able to make it, please go back and listen. We did record it, and um, we'll also make my text of my report available. Um, I felt I had to rush a little bit at the end there, but um, we wanted to, to really focus on the amazing work of our um, junior warden and the properties committee who have been wonderful stewards of this sacred space. And we do know the churches, not the building, but um, the community. But we here at Trinity particularly have a vocation and a gift for using this beautiful church for uh, ministry with those um, on the margins. And so the beauty of this church, when we take care of it, we, um, it's for the purpose of sharing with those who, like most of us, need a little more beauty in our lives. I ended the presentation with saying that there's light at the end of the tunnel of uh, the tunnels we've been in this year. It is there. It's still a long way away, and you have to squint <laughs> to see it, and you have to keep your hazard lights on still. But there it is. It's there, that light at the end of the tunnel of this pandemic. And still so much work to do. I know that we are, are tired, uh, that we are uh, shifting in how we approach our daily lives as this goes on and on and as the, word, as the news does not get better. But we still, we still need to take care of each other and do everything thoughtfully, prayerfully, and as safely as possible. There's light at the end of the tunnel of this health pandemic, but there's still a long way to go, and our lives are changed forever. The metaphors for fishing in our scripture today are very appropriate for this time in our lives. I really believe that. Because there is an invitation there, an invitation away from callousness and chaos. An invitation away from callousness and chaos into the lifelong, ongoing conversion that my friend Jason describes as being a Christian under construction for all our lives. Conversion as an ongoing process because we are still 
day in and day out, free to make a choice of who we follow and what we do. I'm drawn again this week to the Hebrew Scripture, however, to the story of Jonah, which for some reason, well, many of you can come up with lots of good reasons, but for many reasons have captivated, has captivated my imagination for a very, very long time. Sometimes I identify with Jonah not necessarily wanting to do the job that God has given him to do, and sometimes I see Jonah as a warning to not mess with God. And sometimes I see Jonah as such a hopeful thing. One more time he calls for repentance, and it's that last time that he calls for repentance that the Ninevites respond. It's not Jonah's doing, it is God's doing. And yet his words spark that entire town to repent of the callousness and the chaos in which they were living. So from the lessons, some of the lessons that I draw from the scripture in Jonah today are, are very clear. I call them Jonah's life lessons. One, you can run, but you cannot hide from God. And um, where would you hide from God? I'll get to that later. Two, othering gets you nowhere. I'll explain that a little bit later. And three, conversion, even though it's a lifelong process, conversion has to start somewhere. Let me expand on these life lessons a little bit. You can run, but you cannot hide from God, not in a creepy big brother sense, but in the sense that where are we going to hide? We are gods. We were given and gifted life from God. Everything that is, is of God. Where are we going to hide? In the belly of a whale? Are we going to hide under a fig tree? Are we going to hide in the busyness of our occupations? Where are we going to hide? God's purpose for you, God's purpose for us, does not go away if we ignore it. We are called over and over again to make a choice to believe in the power of God's mercy and love for even the worst Ninevites to finally repent. Where are you going to hide from your purpose of speaking the good news and of giving glory and praise to God for the generosity or the strength or the will to carry you through the brokenness of this world with a vision even flickering of hope. You can run, but you cannot hide. 
God's purpose will still be there for you when you decide to answer and stop hiding. Two, othering gets you nowhere. Now I say this, we know what othering is, I think. And I think those of us at Trinity particularly know because in some way or another, many of us in our lives have been othered by other people. But this lesson from Jonah is to remind us not to become what we don't like. We've been hurt, so we hurt back, no. We've been um, shamed, so we shame back, no. Othering gets us nowhere. And most of us know how it feels to be othered, and it is not good. Jonah did not want to save those ungrateful, uh, undeserving people. God said, give them a good word, give them another chance. Othering means talking about those kind of people that other kind of person that doesn't deserve saving, that doesn't deserve a call to repentance, that doesn't deserve your time of day, your respect, however you begin to other. Don't become what you don't like. Speak a good news of salvation. Number three, conversion has to start somewhere. Conversion to the life of Christ, to a life of discipleship in Christ, is an ongoing, lifelong process, but it has to start somewhere. And we see that today with some of the shortest sermons ever, ever given. Jonah it says, what does he say? He says, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That was kind of his throwaway message. But it was that last try that got into the hearts and minds of the Ninevites. Jesus says to the fishermen, he says, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And they drop everything. They drop everything. Conversion has to start somewhere, and repentance is where it starts in Jonah. And in the Gospel of Mark, it starts with dropping everything. Dropping everything to dedicate yourself to the way of Christ Jesus. The metaphor of fishing, as I was reminded by uh, my friend Jason this week, the metaphor of fishing as an act of discipleship is not new to Jesus. 
Chad Myers, in his book, Binding the Strongman, argues that Jesus is expanding upon the fishing metaphor that's used in the prophets. In Jeremiah and Amos and Ezekiel, this metaphor is used to describe God's reprimand of Israel. It's used as a general rebuke for mistreating the poor, and it's used as a condemnation of the powerful, again, for mistreating the poor. And this leads Myers to write that fishers of people means Jesus is inviting common folk to join him in his struggle against the existing order that would humiliate and crush the poor and the weak. Inviting them towards the beloved community, the kingdom of God, the way of love. I was also reminded that Professor Osvaldo Vena points out that water is a metaphor for chaos in the scriptures. And by Jesus calling these fishermen away from the water of chaos, he is inviting them to form a new order grounded in equality, justice, and the love of God. The time is fulfilled, Jesus says, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Our scriptures today call us from the callousness and chaos in which we have lived. Call us into a conversion, a commitment to compassion that lasts a lifetime, a commitment to sowing hope even when it's hard to envision. So I want to end this sermon today with a quote from Amanda Gorman, her home, The Hill We Climb, that she recited, that she created and recited for the presidential inauguration last week, which I think captures in many ways the vision that our scriptures today have for us. Again, moving into a conversion, a repentance towards a way of love. She writes, we seek harm to none and harmony for all. Let the clove, if nothing else, say this is true, that even as we grieved, we grew, that even as we hurt, we hoped, that even as we tired, Lord knows, I know we're all tired. We tried. That we'll forever be tied together victorious, not because we will never again know defeat, but because we will never again sow division. What a prayer. She goes on, Scripture tells us to envision that everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree and no one shall make them afraid. If we're to live up to our time, then victory won't lie in the blade, but in all the bridges we've made. 
May that vision sustain us and help us to heed the call from Christ himself today to cast the nets for a new way of life. Amen.